Let's go to Luke chapter 1, verse 26 through, uh, chapter 1, verse 26 through 38 quickly today. And here we have it. It says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledge be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel went to her and said, greetings, you are highly favored. Everybody say highly favored. Come on, say highly favored. The Lord is with you. Come on, say the Lord is with me. Keep reading the text here. Mary is greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting uh, this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You'll conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus, and he will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never what? End. Does that mean still to this day? Absolutely. How will this be, Mary asked, the angel since I'm a virgin? The angel answered and said, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is now in her sixth month. Interesting notation in the text. For no word from God will ever fail. No word from God will ever fail. Let me say it again to you. No word from God will ever fail. Do you believe it today? Now keep reading one one more verse. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word be to me fulfilled. And then the angel left her. As we study the Annunciation and we look at this text we just read today, we have to accept that there's an essential factor involved in the entry of Jesus into this world, the incarnation. There is a significant discovery here. And that is simply this, the Lord comes to people who realize that without him, they cannot make it or they cannot do it on their own. Now keep in mind that is very counterculture today. The culture would tell us, don't ever let anybody know you're weak. Don't ever divulge your weaknesses. Don't ever act like things aren't perfect. Always present the facade. Yet the gospel is clear that God himself comes to people that realize they cannot do it by themselves. You say, Marty, what are you referring to? Every area of your life. 
What this is saying to me today is I cannot be a good person without God's help. I cannot be a good husband without God's help. I cannot be a good dad without God's help. I cannot be a good pastor without God's help. I cannot do anything without God's help. And that is true for you too, because without him, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. We serve a God today who helps people who realize they need help. Is there anybody here today who needs help? Put your hand up high. Absolutely. And God today comes to those who realize that he can help them. We see that right here at the front of this text. We also realize this, that God comes to those who acknowledge their weakness and even their spiritual lack. Again, it's okay to say to yourself instead of God and even to say to somebody else, I cannot do this by myself. That's just so counterculture, isn't it? It's so, oh, he don't have it all together. If you ever meet somebody who has it all together, get away as quick as you can because they are highly deceived. Can I get somebody to confirm that today? We all have challenges. And we see in this entry conversation that God shows up to people with difficulty. Let me, let me just run a quick little parallel here, and that is that when it comes to the things of God, do you know that you can, you can vocalize what you lack? You can affirm your weaknesses? Let me take you back on a quick rewind of Genesis. When man sinned and they realized they were outside God's plan, what did man do? Man hid. And God came looking. They, they took their inadequacy, they took their insufficiency, they took their sinfulness, and they hid from God. And here we see Mary a few chapters and books later saying, hey, I cannot do this by myself. Hear me today, don't hide from God, run toward God. You have a father who loves you, who cares about you, who wants to redeem you and set you free, and he gets you just like you are. I can promise you that when Mary told the angel that she was not married, that she was a virgin, the angel did not go, what? This is part of the plan. They knew it already. And so we look at this, we also begin to realize that, that the incarnation, the salvation, the resurrection, even the Christmas story are all for the people who are not proud and who are not self-sufficient. In God's kingdom, they don't sing the song, I did it my way. They sing the song, we did it God's way. And they don't sing the song all by myself. They sing the song, so happy together. <laughs> you get how this is working? See, in God's kingdom, self-sufficiency is not a good virtue. And if you want God to move on your behalf today and move in your life and move in your family and move in your finance and move in your health and move in your marriage and move in your business, move in wherever area you're asking God to move in your spiritual growth, you've got to begin to start confessing, God, I need your help. I need everything I can get from you. God, I'm not okay by myself. I need you in my life. And we see this in this text. I love this in Psalm 34, verse 15. It says, the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. And his ears are attentive to their what? Their cry. And then it says, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. 
to blot out their name from the earth. Verse 17, the righteous cry out and the Lord does what? He does what? He does what? Everybody on this side, he does what? Everybody on this side, he does what? Everyone all together, he hears them. He hears who? The righteous who cry out. Righteous people can still cry out to God. People who live in God's family and God's favor and people who live under God's covenant plan can still have moments in which they need God's deliverance. Keep reading the text here. He says he delivers them from all their troubles. Then it says the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are of a crushed spirit. The righteous person may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from from, from all of them. That's the kind of God we serve today. Now look at the last verse. He protects all his bones. Not one of them will be broken. Everything about the person of Mary, the place of Nazareth. Nazareth was not a respected mega city. In fact, when they first prophesied that he would come out of Nazareth, the question was, can anything good come out of Nazareth? That this was not anything like we would see it. God was not following the human template for how to send a deliverer. In case you haven't noticed yet, God doesn't always do things the way we would do things. And God doesn't really seek to acquiesce to our desires, does he? God's going to do what God's going to do. Everything about this, even the idea of a baby coming in the world. I mean, this had to be a little bit disappointing to be longing for this deliverer, this redeemer, this entity that would come in and set us all free. And then you start hearing that he's here and he's a baby. He's here and he's a child. He's here and this is it. But the one thing we know for sure was that God was entering silently into a world filled with strife. When Mary had fear, how did the angel comfort her? There's a, there's a lot of talk nowadays about fear and there's lots of fear among us and we deal with this and I would say most people have experienced in, in their lifetime in particular as of late some moment of fear or angst or concern or worry. But have you ever thought about replacing fear with God's favor? And when Mary was troubled by this announcement, the angel didn't say, hey Mary, have faith. No, she said, Mary the favor of God is upon you. What if we could take our fears and begin to swap them out and begin to proclaim God's favor over our life? What if we could take what we're fearful of and proclaim the goodness of God, the love of God, the mercy of God, the plan of God, the hope of God, every promise in this book. What if you were to take that which has been holding on to you, been troubling your spirit, causing you to be up at night sleepless? Have you ever realized when you stay up all night worrying, the sun still comes up the same, life goes on by itself. What if you swapped out all your fear 
for the favor and the goodness and the blessing and the love of God over your life? What if we could switch that out and walk in God's favor every day? Second thought out of this quick text, there's a text, there's a, there's a moment here we see that the spirit is the solution. Mary is open to the spirit coming into her insufficiency. Again, our, our world would tell us, don't let anybody know you're insufficient. Don't let anybody know you can't do everything. Don't let anybody know you don't have it all together. But you know what? When you begin to proclaim and confess that you have some lack, then God can step in. When you begin to declare you're not the smartest person you know, that you can't fix everything, you're not the solution. I know that, I mean, I'm a man, I'm a fixer. I feel like there's things I can just fix everything. And I have failed miserably trying to fix things that only God could fix. What if we could just simply pull back and say, you know what, I am insufficient, but he is more than sufficient. I am not enough, but he is more than enough. I cannot make it, I cannot do it, but he can come through. That's the kind of God we serve. And Mary invites the Spirit of God into her insufficiency. Is there an area of your life today that you feel insufficient, inadequate, fractured, broken, Grieving, sorrowful, remorseful, taken, whatever the word might be that describes where you are today. What is the downside to you simply saying, I don't have all that I need. And God, I need your help today. We serve a God who brings his spirit into your insufficiency and he is more than enough. We also see in this an amazing element in that we see Elizabeth come in the conversation. All of a sudden, I know where the angel goes, hey, remember your relative Elizabeth? The, she's older? The one who couldn't have a baby? She's six months pregnant. What? Yeah. What she's saying here is that God has already worked a miracle, and he can work another miracle. And she uses Elizabeth as, a, as an affirmation to affirm and encourage Mary in her insufficiency. She's like, Mary, don't worry about this. Remember your relative? She couldn't have a baby. She's well up in years. But guess what? God did it again. And she was encouraged by her miracle. Why can we not position ourselves to be more encouraged by somebody else's miracle rather than jealous of somebody else's miracle? Why, why can't we celebrate someone else's victory? Why can't we cheer when someone else wins? Why can't we say, hey, Jehovah Jireh did it for them. He will do it for me. Jehovah Rapha healed them. He will heal me. Jehovah Shalom gave them peace. He'll give me peace too. Listen, we serve the same God. When you have a win, I celebrate you because I know my help is on the way too. It's the same God. Don't be jealous of somebody else. Be encouraged by somebody else's victory. Another thought for you out of this, and it's right here in the text, and that is what God was going to do in Mary's life wasn't just for Mary. The favor of God is never exclusively for you. His favor is for mankind. What he was going to do in Mary's life was not just for Mary. Her favor was our favor. Her miracle was our miracle. What he did 
in that moment in space and time is what we are counting on as the greatest story ever told and the greatest hope we have. And that is that God himself came back to this earth and made a way for us to be saved, redeemed, set free, healed, and have eternal life. Her favor is our favor. It's also important to focus on this today. It's the simplest part of the story. And it's often blown right past. But it boggles my mind that the creator of all things, the almighty God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of Israel, that he chose to come back and come to this life in the incarnation through the form of a baby. And, and what is unique to me, and we see this here, is that in that moment, we see that only God knows the potential that's in the birth of a child. Every baby in the womb, we know the baby's there, and we know a delivery date, and we might know the male-female status, but we don't know what they're 10 years looks like in their 20 years. I'll never forget the times in which I, I was put on notice that, that my wife was with child and we we're going to have a son or uh, a baby at that point, just the early announcement. And I, I, I'm not a man. I can't deliver a baby. I'm totally good with that. And every man said, amen. amen. Oh, we would never survive guys. I mean, the man cold knocks us out for six months. I'll never forget just that, that initial angst and then excitement and then the, how's this going to work? How's this going to work? What's going to happen? What's it going to be like? I never had the ability to foresee the 10-year the birthday or the 15-year or the 20-year or, or the graduations or the life choices. I, didn't, I couldn't see any of those things, but God could. You realize that in the womb itself, God doesn't just know the baby's male or female status. God knows their entire story. And I love this because I see this in, in Psalm 127. It says, children are a heritage from the Lord. An offspring is a reward from him. Like arrows in the hands, watch this, like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. And just think about the, what the verse just said to us there. It's giving us this picture that part of God's plan comes through the birth of a child. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5, maybe my favorite text in the Bible about this topic of conversation. It says, the word of the Lord came to me saying, came to me saying, Jeremiah is talking, before, everybody say before. Before, before I did what? Formed you in the where? Womb. You know who's present in the womb of a mother? Not just the baby, but the spirit of the Almighty. God himself is forming that child in that womb. Now watch what it says here. It says, I what I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart and I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Here's what that means. Before Jeremiah ever took his earthly breath, God knew his entire life story. 
Before Jesus ever took an earthly breath, God knew everything and God had a plan. And this is the power of God choosing to come to this earth through the form of a baby. This is God's entry to this world and God's plan always comes in simple and unexpected ways. Yet because he is God, it's a powerful and the greatest story ever told. This is the power of a baby being born. Only God knows the potential of what's going to happen in the life of that child. I, w- I want to take you back to Isaiah chapter 9. And I want to read this to you because you heard some of it in the interactive reading, but I want to read the full text to you, just two, two, uh, two verses actually. Sorry, not, not the full chapter, but two, two verses. And then I want to close out by just asking you three very simple questions today. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, for unto us a child is born. Don't forget the simplicity, yet potency of that line. Unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders. Do you see the contrast there? Government, child, almighty, big people, Powerless little people. God always operates in contrast. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time and what? Forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Three simple closing questions. Question one, would you today let the Holy Spirit come into your weakness? Would you allow the Spirit of God to come into what you struggle with, empower you, strengthen you, and do something for your good and for his glory? It is easy for us to lose sight of the idea that God still helps people today. And way too often, We train ourselves so much to put on the happy face and put on the the perfect mask that we never give God time and space to work through our life. Would you today let the spirit of God come into your inadequacy and do something amazing? Second question, would you today let God do something unexpected in your life? Part of the human nature is control. I'm in charge. I know what I'm doing. I'll order my steps. I'll make my decisions. You know what? When God does the unexpected, he always exceeds whatever you expected. When God comes through, he does more than you could ever do by yourself. What if today we could get out of the way of God and say, God, it's all yours. Have at it. Have you ever seen somebody working on something that you could help with that situation, but they wouldn't invite your help, and you're just standing back watching them mess it up? I wonder if God ever feels that way looking over the balcony of heaven, looking down on his people going, if you guys would just invite me in, 
this would be a whole lot simpler way to live. And let's close out with this. I love this last part of this text we just read in Luke chapter 1. After all Mary's been through, all the exchange with the, with the angel, all the inadequacies, all the difficulties, all the things she can't do, she ends by just simply saying, I am the Lord's servant. Would you today identify and declare yourself as being a servant of the Most High God? With all your insufficiencies, all your difficulties, all your inadequacies, all the things that you and I lack, all of our shortcomings, the one thing we can do today is we can say, Father, I will be your servant. I don't know what you have planned, but I'm your servant. God, do something unexpected. Spirit of God, come into my weakness, come into my insufficiency, come into my brokenness today. I cannot do it by myself, but the one thing I can do today is I can declare myself as a servant of the most high God. I am the Lord's servant today. Would you today be willing to proclaim that over your life? If that's you, get up on your feet right now today and let's put our hands out like this in a receiving position. And with all your challenges today, all your failures, all your shortcomings, all your insecurities, fears, and more, would you today be prepared to say, God, I'll be your servant.